on the huddle this evening. We've got Claire Delore, journalist with us, and also Josie Pagani, Council for International Development. Hi, you two. Hello. Hello, you two. Okay, so Josie, let's start with you. Are you upset about the three waters? Look, I, I'm struggling to get my head around the fact that there may well be more than three people in the country who really understand this, and I'm not even sure I'm one of them. So I, I find it hard to really believe that, that there's this great tide of, of um, um, you know, concern and upset about it. I mean, there certainly is a problem. We know that from the dirty water in Hawke's Bay and the, you know, sewerage in the streets of Wellington and so on. Um, and, and also we know that there has been underinvestment. So there is a problem, and anyone, I'm telling you, anyone out there who's stood on an election uh, campaign and promised not to increase rates and done nothing to upgrade these goddamn pipes. Uh, I really don't want to hear from them on this right now. Um, but having said all of that, I'm just, I'm not sure that three waters is the answer. I think the thing that people are reacting against is the fact that these were locally owned assets and usually running things locally that are local is better done by local people. So I'm not sure that they've made the case why this should be centralised. But I, I can't believe that people are really desperately upset about it. So, yeah, I mean, this is the thing, Claire. I'm, I'm not sure people are super upset about this, but we are hearing consistently from polls and we heard from the from the guys behind the Curia poll as well that they're saying the same thing. When they ask the question, people do get upset, which means it's a latent issue, doesn't it? It's, it's sitting there. Most people don't think about it, but you can whip it up really easily. Yeah, and to Josie's point, most people don't fully understand it. Um, and I base that entirely on a survey of one person, my own self. I don't really understand it. And I think the length of time, <clears throat> the compression of time, means that most of us haven't had a chance to get our heads around the arguments uh, for and against. You can say, of course, people don't want to be poisoned as there was that terrible um, episode in Hawke's Bay. But that's not happening all of the time. I think really um, it's a local government reform by stealth in a way. There hasn't been the time for people to understand, internalise if they care once they do understand and formulate a you know positive opinion around it. It seems to be part of this push to centralising most things that, that the government has. And it, it also has a very strong impulse to push things through very quickly. Yeah. Straight out of the Roger Douglas playbook, actually, ironically, and most of them would probably rather die than admit that, but it's very much a Roger Douglas kind of tactic. I tell you what, the similarities between this and the fourth Labour government are astounding, and I wonder if it's going to very, end in very, the same way. Very, very similar. Yeah, very similar. Are you feeling at all worried, Josie, about the emergence of Omicron in the MIQ in Christchurch? Well, it, it doesn't help that it's got such a terrifying name, does it? I mean, was, was Omni Darth not available? Uh, so that, that in itself terrifies me. Um, but then hearing Michael Baker say something like, I think we're going back into elimination strategy, the borders will have to close or stay closed, you know, we're back, we're back where we were, that terrifies me because I think, mm. you know, surely, and this has been the problem all along, hasn't it? I mean, the government should have predicted that there would be another variant. We all knew that at some point there's going to be another variant that comes after Delta, right? But, you know, at, at this rate, I mean, you know, I'm being sarcastic, but, you know, Omicron's arrived in New Zealand, so I'm sure the government will start planning in about six months' time. So <laughs> that's, that's a very fair point. Worried about. Yeah. Claire, how do you feel about it? I mean, look, the thing is, I feel, I, I've got to say, it doesn't look particularly deadly. However, it is very infectious and in that it's very hard to kind of figure out how you should feel about it. I think the worry with, um, 
what I call the oh my god variant, because <clears throat> it pretty much seems to have had that effect on people, um, is that it is much more infectious. It's so far, and you have to qualify everything, because this is all very new, isn't it? Two years worth of data. So far, yeah. it doesn't seem to have the most, you know, more terrifying aspects of its predecessors. However, what it does have is the ability to shut down economies because of the number numbers of people who are affected. I don't think Boris Johnson, for example, where um, uh, Omicron has its greatest grip right now in the world, I don't think he would care so much if it wasn't for the fact they have not got enough people to keep the buses and the trains running, uh, to keep keep stocking supermarkets, to keep driving trucks for supply, not because all of those people are in hospital, but because they're actually unwell and need to stay home. That is where you have a huge yeah. economic you know, knock-on effect. We need to be worried about that side of it more than perhaps the um, ICU beds, although if proportionately you have people affected, maybe that's the issue. But I think it does take us to that whole issue of when do you get the third jab? And I'd say uh, we probably uh, need people who are putting their minds to that to be thinking about the overseas examples. I've had my third jab. So I'm feeling a little bit bulletproof right now. But having just come from Auckland, I'm actually also much more cautious, I think, than people here in Wellington, where I am right now, um, seem to be. I was kind of freaked out seeing people spilling out of pubs onto the footpaths this evening, just coming back to where I am. Yeah, Claire, hold that thought. because I. I Hold the thought. I want to talk to you about coming from Auckland and, well, escaping Auckland over to Wellington. We'll do that after the break. Back with the huddle, Claire Delore, uh, Joseph Bagani. So, Claire, you've come out of Auckland. You've arrived in Wellington. You've observed that, like, people are a lot more carefree here in Wellington. And have you observed that you have a different attitude? Like, are you more angry than your average Wellingtonian? No, but I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm just a little bit put off by... Just the odd person who's been a little bit thingy about an Aucklander because I think we've done such an awful lot to contain that virus and have had to sort of put up with knowing that it's kind of circling more around us than most people. So most of us have given up most of our social lives and we've given up a lot of opportunities mm. that we would have otherwise had. So I think to affect sort of, you know, regard Aucklanders as somehow... Um, automatically having a much greater risk of having it. Maybe there's a tiny bit of logic in that, but in reality, if you've actually isolated yourself socially and done everything you can, I do think people should be cut a bit of slack coming from Auckland. You know, we needed to get out. We couldn't stay cooped up forever. And I can tell you, I got in my car yesterday morning at 4.30 in the morning thinking there would be an enormous queue of Aucklanders trying to get out of the southern border and we'd be having... Even one in ten of us checked, and it would take forever. No, there were no checks on the southern border. Oh, wow. Honest, Not a single cop. You know, Claire, I think what's interesting is that if you look at some of the polling, so, so that Lord Ashcroft polling showed that most New Zealanders actually want the government to keep those regional borders up. They want the borders closed, you know, uh, and, I, and I feel completely at odds with most of my fellow citizens. But in Auckland, you look at the poll that David Farah just uh, um, talked about today, where uh, Jacinda ta- ta- Ardern's uh, popularity... It's the old UMR been, poll, Stephen Mills poll. Oh, it's the old, yeah. yeah. But Jacinda 
Jacinda's popularity has dropped to minus uh, 29 in her net favorabilities. So, so you know, that, that tells me that there's a real disconnect there where um, Labour could be free-falling in Auckland but actually still holding up nationally because most people are really risk-averse. And we're very mm. passive-aggressive down in Wellington, Claire. You know, we'll kind of be nice to you. We'll just cross the street and smile at you. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. Well, also, I think people in Auckland have really graphically seen in local shopping centres, for example, at Three Lamps in Ponsonby, um, the, the shoe repair person, they've shut up shop. They just couldn't keep going. Um, really useful local shops where people have been there for a long time. They're just gone. There are lots of empty shops because people just couldn't keep going. And, and you know, right. some- I mean, people in Auckland who've been in lockdown who are actually suffering the effects of a really, really long lockdown are going, no, this is really hard. We can't keep doing this. Whereas the rest of New Zealand actually hasn't gone through that. And so they're going, well, no, we'd rather keep the borders closed. So there's a, there's a real political problem about how on mm-hmm. earth you try and juggle reality with the fact that you've got um, a majority that are a bit out of touch with reality. Yeah, fair enough. Guys, thank you so much for, for doing the huddle. This is the last huddle of the year. Merry Christmas to the pair of you. Look after yourselves and have a lovely break. Josie Bagani, Council for International Development and Claire Delore, uh, journalist